That was good, both of you, all of you. There was three of you involved in that, wasn't there? Thank y'all. Sometimes we forget about those other folks back there. Some other folks back there doing a few things too. Well, I want you to take your Bibles and turn to 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm just, you know, I'm just, while the service is going on, I'm just thanking the Lord for a lot of things tonight. I was, you know, the ushers were standing up here a while ago, and I was just think, I was just sitting here thinking, Lord, thank you for our ushers. Uh, do such a good job. They get very little, they get very little recognition. Uh, but I appreciate our ushers just doing a, just doing a, a bang-up job. Can I get a big amen right there? And uh, thank you, fellas, for being in your places, and we appreciate that very, very much. Well, listen, we took a month, um, August, and had awesome August, and so it's been a little while since we have been in our series. It's been five weeks, in fact, since we've been in our series, but we had not finished. And so this series that we started is important enough to finish, and so I wanted to, I wanted to just get right back into it again. And so just as, uh, as a way of review, we talked about, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. We talked about seven subjects already. Um, the doctrine of the scriptures. We talked about the doctrine of the scriptures. We talked about the doctrine of the Godhead. In fact, we took two, two weeks and talked about the triune God, the doctrine of the Godhead. Then we talked about the doctrine of Satan. And we, we did that in a three-part series. We did three weeks and talked about the doctrine of Satan. We talked about the doctrine of man the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of the way of salvation. And tonight I want to talk to you about the doctrine of separation. That was the next one on our list. And so I want to talk to you about the doctrine of separation. So find your place, if you would, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's all stand. I know you. some of you are a little weary tonight and... and uh, uh, and I listen, I know, man, you get sitting there. Boy, it's hard sometimes. It's hard to listen. So I want to get you, let that blood flow one last time. And I, I listen, I'm not going to be lengthy tonight. I'm going to try to let you out like I always do at a certain time. Uh, unless the Holy Spirit tells us to do something different, we'll have you out of here in just a few minutes. But I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 in your Bibles, and we're going to read the first five verses and listen to, uh, l- listen to the words. The Bible says in verse 1, This know also that in the last days... Perilous times shall come. What's that, what, what's that going to be like? Look at what it says in verse 2. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. How many think we're there right now? Yeah. yeah. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Oh, my. We could park there and preach a whole message right there. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. You think the Bible's got it pegged here? Yes, sir. Truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Look at verse five. The Bible says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. And then look at these last four words. The Bible says, from such, turn away. From such, turn away. 
You may be seated tonight. I want to take a few minutes. I'm going to talk to you about the doctrine of personal separation. I'm not concerned at all tonight. I believe you guys are going to take this very well, uh, very well this evening. But I'm going to be honest with you. You can teach this in a lot of churches, and they might run you out on a rail. Um, I don't have any words of that here tonight. I, I, I feel like you're going to receive this message. You're going to receive this message well. But to be quite honest with you, in some churches, you don't even hear the, the word separation. But it's a, it's a Bible doctrine, so we ought to teach it. And, uh, and so let's talk about tonight the doctrine of personal separation. I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I believe I, we can teach this in such a way that it's going to end up being a, not only a challenge to you, but I believe it's going to be a blessing to you. And so let's, uh, let's pray, ask the Lord to help us. We'll jump into this Bible study tonight. Father, we love you, and it's a joy to be back at uh, Calvary. To me, at least, it seems like the service has just flown by, and I can't believe we're already up to the teaching time. But Holy Spirit, I pray that our hearts have been prepared through the music. I believe it has. The music's been great tonight. The congregational singing's been wonderful tonight. And uh, we just thank you for that time we've had together, the mission's emphasis. And now, Lord, as we take a few moments before we go back to the house and as we gather around your word, I pray, God, that you will help us. I pray you'd work in this room. I pray you'd work through the live stream. And I pray, Heavenly Father, what we say tonight would honor you and please you. And I pray it would glorify your son and, Lord, I pray that it would edify this church tonight, maybe others, but this church especially. And so help us, and we plead the blood of Jesus over the service, and we sure ask you for your help, Lord. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray, and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, if you will go to our website tonight and, uh, and uh, look at our statement of faith, this is what it would say concerning the doctrine of separation. And I'm going to read it word for word. We believe that all the saved should live in such a manner as not to bring reproach upon their Savior and Lord, and that separation from all religious apostasy, and this is not in there, but I want to give you what that word apostasy means, apostasy. It's a word you've heard, but maybe nobody ever explained it to you. That word apostasy uh, simply means a defection from the faith is what it means, a defection from the faith. And so that separation from all religious apostasy, all worldly and sinful pleasures, practices, and associations is commanded of God. And then it gives us a bunch of references there. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 through 5. We read that just now. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2, 14 and 13. 1 John 2, 15 through 17. 2 John 9 and 11, or 9, 9 through 11. And 2 Corinthians 6, 14 through 2 Corinthians 7 and verse number one. Now, we're gonna go to a lot of those tonight. We've already used, uh, we've already used some of those tonight, but we're gonna go to a number of those this evening and we're just gonna try to expound on some of those tonight. So I'm just gonna, not, not gonna give a lot of a, uh, introduction tonight. I'm just gonna jump right into the Bible study and so I'm gonna put the first point up there. Number one, I want you to understand that personal separation has a purpose. Personal separation has a a purpose. We're to come out from sinfulness. We're to come out from worldliness. And uh, that's called personal separation. And personal separation has a purpose. Personal separation should be practiced because as Christians, you and I are admonished to be holy. We're admonished to be holy. 
Now, again, a lot of you have, uh, you, you've been in church for a lot of years. Some of you have been saved for a long, long time. And so that word makes perfect sense to you. Others have just been saved for a very short time here in the church. And so let me see if I can explain that to you. The word holy just simply means dedicated or dedication or consecrated to God. And the idea of consecration is something that's set apart, uh, something that is set apart for a special purpose. And so uh, we are to practice personal separation because as Christians, we are admonished to be holy. As Christians, we're to be becoming more and more godly. Now, that just means this. We're to be like God. We're to be like God as we grow in the Lord. Now, again, a lot of references tonight. We won't have time to go to all these, but uh, some of these are just so important that I felt like it was important for you to see them with your eyes. And so I want you to turn to the book of Titus tonight. If you find 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, then you'll find Titus. And look at Titus chapter 2, and I want you to find verse number 12 uh, with me tonight. First, uh, I'm sorry, Titus, Titus 2, and look at verse number 12. And, uh, and here the Bible tells us that you and I are to be godly. We're to be godly, all right? Uh, Titus chapter 2, verse number 12. Found your place? Say amen. amen. All right? The Bible says, teaching us that denying, what are we, to, what are we supposed to deny? All right, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and what? And godly in this present world. So you and I are to be godly. We're to be God-like. We're to, the more we grow in our Christian life, we're to be like God. When people see us, they ought, to, they ought to be reminded of Jesus. They ought to be reminded of the Lord when they see us and we let our light shine. So we're to be godly. We're to be godly. Now, Somebody says, preacher, what, what does that mean? We're to be godly. Uh, how, how is God? Well, you know, we could uh, take a whole service and teach on that. Uh, God is forgiving. And so if we're going to be godly, we must be forgiving. Uh, God is merciful. So if we're going to be godly, we must be merciful. How about this? God is giving. Well, you start in Genesis, go all through the book of Revelation, and you'll find out that God is a giving God. He gives, he gives, he gives. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God's a giving God. If we're going to be godly, we've got to give. We've got to be givers. And we could go on and on there. But I want you to understand something tonight, Calvary, that first and foremost, before any of those things, God is holy. God is holy, which, by the way, do you understand that that's exactly why Jesus Christ had to come? Because God is holy. You say, Pastor, I don't, what, what's the connection? Okay, God is holy, but why did Jesus have to come? Because when mankind was plunged into sin, a holy God could not have a relationship with sinful man. And so God sent his only son, Jesus, and Jesus came as the incarnate son of God and Jesus took your sinful record and gave us his righteous record. Jesus went to the cross and there on the cross he bled and suffered and died for my sins and your sins. And uh, boy, thank God, traded places with us and Jesus died and, uh, uh, and suffered hell for us. We were supposed to uh, suffer hell, but Jesus suffered hell for us and Jesus gave us his righteousness and because of his righteousness, we are reconciled to God. 
and we're able to have a relationship with Almighty God. There's no other way we can have that relationship. Now, you're in Titus, so you might as well see this. Would you turn over just a few pages to the book of Hebrews? Just turn to the right and go just a very short way to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. I, again, I want to show you this. I know for some of you this is old hat, but for others this is brand new. And so because of Christ's righteousness, we've been reconciled to God. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse number 9. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 9, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may, may establish the second. Look at verse 10. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And so since Jesus came and bled and suffered and died for you and I, we can have now, we can have a relationship with God. Same chapter, look if you will at verse number 19, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. The Bible says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by, by my good works. Is that how your Bible reads? I'm sorry, I read that wrong, didn't I? Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by my church membership. It's not what it says, is it? I'm sorry, let me start again. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by being an independent Baptist. Now, I'm an independent Baptist from the top of my head to the bottom of my foot tonight, but I'm just telling us tonight, church membership doesn't get you there, and being a good person doesn't get you there, and being an independent Baptist doesn't get you there, and for that matter, being a, being a Catholic doesn't get you there, or a Pentecostal, or a Methodist, or anything else. Look what it says, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil. That is to say, his flesh. You don't have to turn there. Just let me read it for you. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me give you three words concerning separation. And concerning this thing of holiness. The first word is the word positionally. Positionally, we've been given holiness through Christ. So this is what I'm saying. Don't miss this. You and I are not holy enough to make it to heaven. You say, Pastor, you don't know how holy I am. I'm just telling you, on your best day, you're not holy enough. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But thank God we can rejoice tonight. Thank God we can walk out of this room and we can, and we can sing the praises of the Lord because positionally, positionally, we've been given holiness through Christ. But that leads me to the second statement. The second word is the word personally. Positionally, we've been given holiness through Christ, but number two, but personally, personally, we are to live in holiness for Christ. Now, don't miss this. Now, in fact, I want to say this again because I think it's important. Positionally, we've been given holiness through Christ, but personally, we are to live in holiness for Christ. If we're going to be like God, we must strive for holiness. Why, preacher? Because God is holy. And God is first and foremost holy. By the way, we do this by separating from ungodliness. 
Now, again, you're in Hebrews, so turn over just a few more pages to the book of Peter, 1 Peter. It's great how the Lord worked all this out. These scriptures are not very far apart. 1 Peter chapter number 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, and look at verse 15. So positionally, we've been given holiness through Christ. Personally, we're living holiness for Christ. 1 Peter 1, verse 15, the Bible says, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. You say, yeah, we're to be holy in our talk. And you should be holy in your talk, but that word conversation is a word that just means lifestyle. Not just your talk, but you're to be holy in all manner of conversation. Verse 16, you know, if daddy says something once, it's important. But if daddy says something twice, he's trying to emphasize something. And he says in verse 16, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So positionally, we've been given holiness through Christ. Personally, we're living holiness for Christ, but there's another word, another P word, and it's the word publicly. Publicly, when a church teaches holiness, they're singled out. When a church preaches holiness and teaches holiness, they're singled out. Now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, and I think this is important for you to understand because you're probably gonna run into some of this with your family and you're gonna run into this, some of this with your coworkers. But when a church teaches separation or holiness, when a church teaches separation today, today, not so much years ago, but when you teach holiness today, they're accused of something called legalism. Don't go down to Calvary. They're a bunch of legalists. Down there because they teach separation. And because they teach separation, they're teaching legalism. Now, I want to say real quickly, you better get your terms right. Let me tell you what legalism is defined as. Listen to this. Legalism in Christian theology or gnomism is a term applied to the idea that by doing good works or by obeying the law, a person earns and merits salvation. So I want to be very clear on something here tonight. We do not teach. We never have taught. Nor will we ever teach that a person is saved by doing good works or separation or holiness. So let's be clear on that tonight. A person is not saved because they practice holiness. On the contrary, a person should practice holiness because they're saved. Now, that's where a lot of folks get all mixed up. And people want to accuse churches like ours of adding something to salvation. Friend, listen, hang around a while. Don't just drop in one Sunday and then label us as legalists. Uh, Listen, come back on Sunday night and Wednesday night and keep on coming for a few weeks and you'll finally get the idea we're not adding anything to salvation. You don't do something to get saved, but because you are saved, you do something. And that's not, that's not that hard to understand. And I'm not that smart. Please don't say amen right there. I'm not that smart. I'm just a country boy. I, I'm just a country boy. But I'm going to tell you what. Because I am, because I am saved, I, I want to live for him. Amen. And that leads me to the next statement. If a person is genuinely saved, there's going to be a desire for holiness. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? 
He's a new creature. Old things, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Now you're in Hebrews, and so turn over just a few more pages and look at 1 John, one of my favorite books in the Bible. 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. You're getting close to the the back. 1 John chapter 2. And look at verse number 3. If a person is genuinely saved, there's going to be a desire for holiness. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. You know, one of the things that First John that, that John tells us in his epistle is this, that if you're really saved, there's going to be some changes that take place. 1 John 2, verse 3. And hereby, and I love the way John puts it, and hereby we do what? We don't think, we don't hope. There's not a chance. And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. In other words, if you've been genuinely born again, you're, listen, you're gonna wanna keep his commandments. That's what John is saying. Turn over one page and look at 1 John chapter four. 1 John chapter four and look at verse number 17. Now my first point's my longest point. Once we get past this, we're home free, all right? That's not homiletically correct, but that's the way I did it, all right? 1 John chapter four and verse 17 The Bible says, herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because, I love this, because as he is, read that last part with me, so are we in this world. Come on now. How is he? Look what it says, because as he is. How is he? He's holy. And because he's holy, we're gonna be holy. If we're genuinely born again, if we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us, listen, we're gonna have a desire. Now, church, this is simple. I'm telling you, this is simple preaching tonight, but listen to me. If you are genuinely born again by the Spirit of God, nobody's gonna have to force you to dress right. Nobody's gonna have to walk around with a stick in their hand and try to you know, enforce that you dress right. Listen, if you are genuinely born again, now, is there a growth process? Yes, I'll get into that in just a little while. Hang in there with me. But I'm just saying this, if you're genuinely born again and the spirit of God lives inside of you, you're gonna wanna dress right. You know what that means? Men are gonna wanna look like men. And ladies are gonna wanna look like ladies. And how many know this? Men ought to look like men. And, and, uh, and uh, women ought to look like women. There's nothing wrong with that. And our society is so jacked up, man. I tell you what's just crazy. What's going on? And the reason they're so mixed up is because they're lost. They're lost. But those folks that are born again and have the spirit of God living inside of them, you know what? A change begins to take place. And so you'll, listen, if there's been a change, you'll want to talk in a godly way. I don't understand that statement. People who claim to be saved and, and like, preacher, it's just the way I am. I just can't help it. I just cuss all the time. It's just the way I am. It's just the way I am. Well, maybe the way you am is lost. Because when you get saved, he cleans your mouth up. He cleans your talk up. If you're genuinely born again, you'll want to conduct yourself in a godly way. And you know, if you're genuinely... <laughs> I know, there's some folks fall out with me right here, but I'm telling you, if you're genuinely born again, you'll want to attend church in a godly way. Because Richard, I just don't have any desire whatsoever to go to church. Now, if you're saying I don't have a desire to go to Calvary, that's one thing. 
but you better find one. Calvary Baptist Church is not for everybody, but you better find one. And if you don't have a desire, if you don't have a desire to give in a godly way, if you don't have a desire to forgive in a godly way, then it tells me something. It tells me that there's a problem somewhere. And so personal separation has a purpose. Why are we to separate from the world? Why are we to separate from from wrong things, from sinful things? Because you and I are to be holy because he is holy. And we're to be godly. We're to be godly, godlike. Number two, quickly, number two. This is a blessing. Number two, personal separation has a promise. All right, take your Bibles tonight, if you will, and turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. And look at verse 14. Let me show you something that's great. So everybody's like, oh, man, preacher's teaching on separation. Oh, mercy. Well, listen, it's not all bad. Actually, none of it's bad. But personal separation has a promise attached to it. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and look at verse number 14. The Bible says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion hath light with darkness and what concord hath Christ with Belial. That word Belial is the idea of worthlessness. Or what part hath he that believeth but an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Look at verse 17. Wherefore, because of what I just said, wherefore, come out from among them and be ye what? Separate, saith the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing. Look, here it is. And, and I will receive you. And will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Look at the next verse, chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, he just made us a promise. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Now again, look at verse 17 again. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. So somebody may, may read that verse and misconstrue what that verse says and said, and so see there, preacher, if you will separate to holiness, you can be saved. That is not what the Bible's teaching. Not at all. I, and I will receive you. The word receive is the Greek word, mine. And it means this, to treat with favor. In other words, the Lord is saying this, if you'll if you'll be willing to live a holy life, you're going to have favorable treatment as a child of God. By the way, church, that's not hard. Listen, an elementary student can understand what I just said. That's not hard to understand. If, you've, if you're, and I, you know, I hope this is nobody in here uh, tonight. If you saved and saved and saved and saved and saved and you laid up and laid up, you know, for your kids and you say, preacher, one of these days when I pass off the scene, my kids are going to be well taken care of and yet you've got four kids who just worship the ground you walk on. They're good kids. They try to take care of mom and dad. They, they're, they're a blessing to you. They, they, uh, they reverence you. They respect you. Uh, you know what? You're looking forward to being a blessing to them. But you've got one kid who doesn't do anything except rebel constantly. Won't call you, and when you call them, they won't answer the phone. They won't come by your house. They won't visit you. They want nothing to do with you. You know what truth of the matter is? 
You know who you're going to show favor to? You're going to show favor to those kids that, that at least show some respect and reverence and honor their father and their mother and uh, and you're going to try to, you know, be a blessing to them. But that kid that's just doing constantly nothing but getting in trouble and getting arrested and, uh, and uh, it just, I mean, their life's just a shambles. And you know what? You're, you're, you're not just waiting at the gate trying to say, man, what can I do to be a blessing to them? And you know what? God is our father. And so those people who you work with who, who you know, they're bitter and indifferent and living away from the will of God. And they say, well, I'll tell you one thing, God ain't so good. No, the problem's not God ain't so good. The problem is you need to get in the will of God. That's the problem. And uh, well, you know what? Y'all are just so lucky. Luck has nothing to do with it. Man, just live for Jesus and love the Lord and serve the Lord and do your best to live a separated life. And God said, you know what I'll do? I'll receive you. I'll bless you with favor. So personal separation has a purpose. Personal separation has a promise. Look at this. Personal separation has a product. Now, preacher, what are you talking about? And here's the product. It produces something. Personal separation produces something. What's it produce? It, pursue, it produces discernment. Now, look in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Very familiar passage of Scripture. Romans chapter 12 And look at verse number one. We're almost done, church. So, uh, boy, hang on every word. Romans chapter 12, verse number one. Man, this is a blessing. Romans 12, verse one. Paul said to the church, I beseech you, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. And then he uses the word holy. Acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look at the next line here. That ye may prove. I've got that underlined. That ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, God says, if you'll, if you'll make your life a living sacrifice, and if you live holy and acceptable unto God, God said, you know what I'll do? I'll give you discernment. It is the, it's the Greek word, dokimazo, and it means to discern. If you'll do your best to live a holy life, God said, I'll give you discernment. I'll help you to be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Have you ever heard somebody say something like this? Boy, I just wish I knew what God's will was. You ever heard that? You ever heard somebody say something like this? I just don't know what to do. I wish God would just show me what to do. And God says, you know what? I'll tell you something. If you'll do your best to live a separated life from the world and live holy and present yourself a living sacrifice, you know what God is saying here? I'll give you, I'll give you discernment. And you'll know what the will of God is. And so personal separation has a purpose. Personal separation has a promise. Personal separation has a product. But let me end, end on this one. Personal separation has a peril. Now, please hear me out. Personal separation has a peril. What do you mean, preacher? When personal separation is not exhibited through spirit fullness and humility, it can very easily turn into pride. Or what we would call Phariseeism. And I'm going to tell you something. 
right now. This is a great church. And this is a great congregation. But I don't have one desire, there's not one ounce of desire in me to pastor a bunch of Pharisees. I'm just going to let you know that right, right off the bat. You see, if we don't couple that separation, that holiness, if we don't couple that with spirit fullness and humility, you know what happens? You turn into a Pharisee. Can I show you? Will you take your Bibles, turn to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 7. There are many examples. I have a long list of, of, uh, of, of um, scriptures here that I won't take the time to give you all these tonight. But let me give you a, let me give you a great example of what I'm talking about here this evening. We're going to be done. We're, we're probably going to get done early tonight. Look at Luke 7 and look at verse number 36. Luke 7 and verse number 36. The Bible says, and one of the Pharisees, one of the Pharisees desired him that he would eat with him. And, and he, Jesus, and he went into the Pharisee's house and sat down to meet. And so here he is in this Pharisee's house and he's, he's eating with this Pharisee. But something happened that they did not, okay, let me back up. Something happened that the Pharisee didn't plan on. Jesus knew this was gonna happen. Verse 37, and behold, a woman in the city which was a sinner, oh boy. When she knew that Jesus sat at meat in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster box of ointment and stood at his feet behind him weeping and began to wash his feet with tears and did wipe them with the hairs of her head and kissed his feet and anointed them with the ointment. Verse number 39, now. Now, when the Pharisee which had bidden him saw it, he spake within himself saying, this man, if he were a prophet, would have known who and what manner a woman this is that toucheth him, for she is a sinner. Now we'll stop there, but you keep reading that on out in your devotions and you'll find out that this Pharisee got rebuked because he was a religious man. He was a separated man. But that, that separation had turned into pride. Turn over a few more pages. Look, if you will, at Luke 18. Luke 18. And verse number 10. Luke 18, verse number 10. The Bible says two men, Luke 18, verse 10, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. I'm thinking, man, would you please sign my Bible? Goodness gracious. <laughs> Verse 13, and the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Look what Jesus said in verse 14. I tell you, this man, not the Pharisee, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Hey, Calvary Baptist Church, live a separated life. Dress right. 
talk right. Listen to the right kind of music. Watch the right kind of television. Listen, church. You know, I, my wife and I sat down last night at the end of the night just to watch a little TV. And I, you, you, you got to understand something. I got filters on my TV. I have filters on my television that cut out profanity and immorality. And so I thought, well, I'm going to try to, I'm gonna, I picked out a movie and I thought, I'm going to try to watch this movie. Wait a minute now, I'm talking about a movie that has filters. I got filters. Man, I watched about 10 minutes of that thing and I thought, man, ain't no way. I can't even watch this movie with filters on it. He said, why, Preach, you ought to be watching, you ought to be watching X, X-rated movies. I'm not talking about X-rated movies. I'm talking about movies you, you let your kids go to the movies and watch. I'm talking about these Marvel comic uh, movies and church. I'm going to tell you something. Be careful about that. Be careful about, about that stuff. That's not for little children. And I said, cut it off. And so, listen, live a separated life. But may God help us never to become a bunch of Pharisees who look down on others. Now, we're done. You can close your Bibles. We're done. But I want to say something to our church tonight. You say, tell you one thing. If I was a pastor there, I'd do this. Well, let me tell you something. You're not. You're not. You say, well, I'm going to be. Then go get one. And there are dozens out there that need a good pastor. And so nobody's holding anybody up from you going and getting your own pastorate. But I'm, I'm just going to, listen, I'm just going to tell you something, at least as of right now, and that could change tomorrow. You may get news in the morning that God has taken your pastor to heaven. That's very possible. That's very, 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 very possible. But let me give you a, at least a little insight as a pastor that's been pastoring for many years and that's been pastoring this church for 32 at Calvary Baptist Church, we have every stage of growth at this church. Brother Mike, how many years have you been saved? There you go. Some of, some of you didn't even know there was a 1965. <laughs> he got saved in 1965. Brother Looney, how many years have you been saved? 67 years. I was saved at 67. That, saved at 67. 1967? Yeah. 1967. Brother Mike, how many years have you been saved? 1967. 1967. What was it? 1967. 1967. That was a great year. I was born that year. That's great. <laughs> There's a lot of miracles that happened that year. Amen. Hey, listen to me. Listen, seriously. You understand that there are all levels of growth at this church. We have people who you can rattle off justification. They know exactly what it is. Glorification, they know exactly what it is. They know the plan of salvation. They know how to give it. They know how to share it. They, they've got chapters of the Bible memorized. They, they listen, it, it's, it's second hand to them. I mean, they, they've been saved for more years than some people have even been on this earth. 
but yet we have people in this church who have just recently been saved. So church, we, we can't expect people to walk in these doors and be where you are. And understand everything you understand and have the standards that you have. And you say, well, they're not living holy. Listen, please, be a little patient. Give them a little room to grow. Man, listen, little Evie Grace was born just the other day. And when we went to California, Evie Grace was not eating ribeye. She's not even eating baby food yet. All she can understand, all she can, all she can take is that mother's milk. That's all she can take right now. Now that'll change soon. And and she'll she'll probably take a little formula, maybe, or maybe a little. A little baby food or some cereal or, you know, it won't be long. That milk won't do it. She'll need a little cereal to go with, go with it. And, and, uh, but when, when, I, when I flew out to California, I didn't expect to see Evie Grace running around the house. You know why? She's an infant. And so I didn't go out there and say, hey, what's wrong with her? What's her deal? Why didn't she run up and jump in Papa's arms when I got here? You know why she didn't? She can't. It's not even a possibility. And for us to walk in this church and to think that these new Christians are going to cross every T and dot every every I just like we do, church, I'm telling you, that's ignorance. That's insanity. So give your preacher a little grace while I try to give some of you meat and while I try to serve a little formula to some of the other ones. But we all need to be separated, don't we? Holiness. Father, we love you. Thank you for this time we've had together. God, I pray that you help us to be holy because you're holy. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to separate from ungodliness and sinfulness and carnality and lust and wickedness. God, here's the wonderful thing about this message, that if we've been genuinely born again, the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And the Holy Spirit is that one who begins to show us and he begins to teach us. And he begins to convict us. I remember, Lord, I remember you convicting me about some things when I had not been saved near as long as I have, have been now. And Lord, some things, that, some things that really never bothered me before, all of a sudden the Holy Ghost began to, he began to work in my heart. And God, there, there are some things I used to do early when I was saved. I don't do those things anymore. Lord, I'm glad there's been a great change since I've been born again. God, help us to let our light shine and help us, Lord, help us to love folks and to be patient with growth. God, I pray that you'll bless in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please. And Lord, we sure thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed right before we we go to the house tonight. 
Is there anybody here this evening in this crowd and you'd say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven and I would appreciate it if you'd pray for me. Is there one like that anywhere? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray with me? I see that little hand and I'm going to pray for this little one. Because that means the Holy Spirit's beginning to beginning to work and so praise the Lord for that amen let's all stand around the house tonight listen our heads are bowed it could be you're here tonight and the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart about something I didn't even preach on this evening maybe you're here tonight and you've just got a heavy heavy burden on your heart about something or maybe you're you know maybe you're here tonight and your kids have wandered away from the will of God and they've got away from holy living and, and you're just so burdened you're so burdened about them could be a lot of things. Maybe you're having some issues in your marriage. Maybe you are. Uh, maybe you're having some problems on the job. Maybe there's a health. Maybe there's a health situation. And tonight, while we pause just for a moment, you need to tiptoe down to the altar and just, just pray, talk to the Lord. We're going to give you an opportunity to do that. Okay. So, Father, have Thy way in this invitation. Thank you for those little hands that were raised. God, I pray that you'd give them understanding. And I pray that they would soon know how much you love them. You loved them so much you gave your son for them. And I pray, Lord, that they'll soon come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Change their life. Put them on a new path. Lord, I pray that you'd deal with us concerning holiness tonight. Lord, I, I have no idea. Could be there's somebody here tonight and they're, they're involved in something right now that's not of God. It's not holy. It might be television, it might be music, it might be, it could be a number of things, but there's something that's in their life right now and the Holy Spirit is dealing with them about, Lord, getting it right, getting it right, maybe even getting rid of it. And so, Lord, if the preacher deals with them, Lord, it's not gonna bring lasting change. But if the Holy Ghost deals with them, it'll change their life. And so, Spirit of God, pinpoint in their heart right now what it is. And I pray you're blessing this invitation. And we sure thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And our heads